Hi everyone, producer Nick here. I bet you've been wondering, where is my most recent episode of Clerically Speaking? Well, I have an answer for you. Just four weeks ago, producer Riley and I had our first baby. Her name is Indiana, and we love her so much. We also love it when she sleeps, and sometimes, at night, especially when it's dad's shift, she doesn't like to sleep. And so rather than editing a podcast, I've been caring for a baby during the time I normally edit. So on behalf of producer Riley, producer Nick, and baby producer Indiana, we just want to say sorry. We're taking steps to make sure that your podcast comes out on time. We're figuring things out, so thanks for your patience. The three of us and the two priests can't tell you how much you mean to all of us. Thanks for being loyal listeners. We love doing this podcast. And we will do our best to give you consistent podcasts that drop every Friday. I really think you're going to like this episode. And so without further ado, here it is. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that old. I really don't. But maybe I am. But maybe you are. But what if yeah. what this what this podcast pr- uh, proposes is what if you are? I might be. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, at the parish, I've got my offices uh, upstairs, and mm-hmm. the parish offices are downstairs. Mm-hmm. So the second and third floor are living quarters, offices for the priests, okay. and then the basement is where the uh, staff offices are. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got our printers and everything right. down there. It, it's kind of like those English drama shows, right? The, the the higher class people are upstairs and the lower class people are downstairs, right? Yes. Right? That's it was exactly this, what is this it is. Okay. It's Downton Abbey, essentially. Essentially, it's yes, Downton Abbey. My parish is Downton Abbey. And if you ever go see it, uh, there are some similarities in architecture a little bit. Anywho, basically, if I want to print something from my office, I have to go downstairs and get it. And for a while, it was just working. And then it stopped working. Mm-hmm. Like I just and I could not figure it out, and okay, so I I go to the office manager and she says, well, how about I just get you your own printer? That way you don't have to run downstairs all the time. I'm like, that sounds delightful. So I get the printer and I just want a printer that I can plug into my desktop computer and have it print. But that uh-huh. that's that's not what this freaking thing does. I needed to like download an app. It has to connect to yep. our Wi-Fi, so like mm-hmm. it has its own Wi-Fi signal, which I link into mm-hmm. our Wi-Fi, and to get it to print. And I've spent like forty-five minutes trying to get this freaking thing to work, and it doesn't. Yep. And it mm-hmm. doesn't work. I just wanted to plug it and work, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I wanted to print some stuff out for actually for this show because uh, I'm gonna talk about uh, what I'm talking about in RCIA. I figured I'd double dip on the content. It's not working, and I'm real mad. I just want a freaking printer that works. Does do you get uh, PC load letter issues? No, it's not that. It's like it, it's the te- it's you have the- you have not seen Office Space, obviously. No, I have not. No, okay, yes, I have. You- yes, I have. I've seen Office Space. Okay. It's been a while. Jeez. It's been a long while. PC load letter. What the heck does that mean? Do you so- want to take a baseball bat to the printer and just go gangsta style on it? I do a little bit. so it's, With the it's, rap music playing in the background? Like, the printer itself, it looks cool and shining, whatever. The point is, don't buy an HP Tango. And if you know how to make that freaking thing work, you send me an email. Um, You're now ruining our opportunities. We are not going to be HP sponsoring us. HP. I'm not. That's not. <laughs> 
But the HP Tango printer is a piece of garbage, and no one should ever get it. And uh, after this podcast, I'm going to work on it for, like, hour. And I was talking to my buddy. He has one, and he's like, well, you can use it, but you can't use our Wi-Fi and the printer at the same time, which that doesn't make any freaking sense to me. And I'm angry. So if I sound angry on this episode of Clerically Speaking, that's why. So wouldn't it just be easier then with all this time you're doing to just go downstairs and just print it off like you were? And so that that you get all those steps in and all those stair steps, like all those, you know, that's good for your health. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, except that I do and I hate walking up and down steps. But also that like the original problem was that for some reason, even though... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But what, what is going up and down? What is going up and down stairs but lifting your body is are you not just lifting no it's and aren't you into lifting no no and you wouldn't understand this until you do some deadlifts i'm not gonna listen to any of your opinions on on lifting at all okay the problem (laughs) is that while my laptop i mean my my desktop in my office detects the printer can send stuff to the printer Mm -hmm. sees the printer the printer apparently doesn't see my la- my desktop, so like I just can't print right now. So the computer is like God, and the printer is like we sinners. Yes, and soon and soon the the desktop is going to be a wrathful God, and I'm going to destroy <laughs> everything. I'm going to burn everything to the ground. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, huh. this episode of Clerically Speaking will 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 cheer me up. <laughs> Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison, and you can hear me well, right? I can hear you great. Yeah, we're, we're, we got a new mic. This is mic number four? <laughs> For you. I'm on mic one, First baby. mic was not good, and a great listener gave me a second mic, which worked great, but then during pandemic, unfortunately broke. I uh, don't know how. It, I actually still don't know how it broke, but it broke. It stopped working. And then uh, we used the other mic for a while, but it wasn't sounding great. It never was sounding great. And so here's hoping fourth time's a charm. Yeah. That's a saying. And this is sure. uh, this is uh, I've the made fruit of our Patreon. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for that. So hopefully this works out well. So whew, I got I got a lot, of, a lot of stuff that's happened in the last while. Um, mm-hmm. So if I sounded a little down last week or two weeks ago now, I guess. Yeah, two weeks ago. We did not record last week. Uh, things were kind of crazy on my end. And so it just life got in the way and as we've said before life takes precedence so um i while i was away on holidays uh two of my three staff um had to leave because they wanted they found they got you know offered some better jobs you know god bless them but it happened a little bit more suddenly than i expected and so i had to actually end my holidays early and head home to deal with that thing which was actually really good like this, I remember like literally Tuesday morning, I finally get, I get home late Monday night and Tuesday morning, I sit down in my office and I just like have a sigh of relief. Like, all right, I'm here. I can deal with this now because you know, things started to go down the Tuesday, which is what you got. You got, when did you come to DC? Was that the Tuesday? That was last Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So you came just as it was all happening. Yes. I was there. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was enjoying myself greatly hanging out with the family and everything while you were pacing up and down, making phone calls, sending emails. Trying to figure things out. Just figure things out. You know, so my, my holidays, my holidays essentially ended that Tuesday. 
<laughs> I know you're worried about this, but your your sadness didn't bother me at all. I was able to enjoy okay, myself that's completely, good. That's good. ignore yes. your pain utterly, and uh, oh, okay. it was great. It was great for me. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm mm-hmm. so glad. So anyway, so yeah, so uh, th- and I'm really grateful to the last who were hosting me at the time who let me stay a bit, a couple days longer as I had to reroute some flights to get home early. Uh, my one sadness, well, you know, your sadness, obviously, in losing staff, but also the sadness was I couldn't go to Notre Dame. I was supposed to present a paper there, which I may do for the podcast one day, maybe mm-hmm. next week mm-hmm. um, as my topic. Uh, I'll try and obviously make it more discussion-based than paper-based, but... Sure. Um, uh, um, I was supposed to spend my paper was going to be on the notion of nothingness in Joseph Ratzinger as his basis for the notion of human dignity, which was you know going to be fun. Um, but yeah, so I missed out on Notre Dame, and uh, which I was a little sad about because that was going to be a big part of the trip. Go do some intellectual stuff. Go do do a library. But you know, there's a lot of providence in this too. Um, First was, I still had my replacement priest, Father John O'Brien, who is a list. Oh, I forgot to give him a sticker. I can't believe this. I'm a horrible friend. Mm. Sorry, Father John. Father John O'Brien, who's a Jesuit priest, a good Jesuit. <laughs> I hate to say, I have to say, actually, a lot of Jesuits are good. Yes. Most Jesuits are Most good. Most so men it's are like, good. It's just, you know, there's the memes out there. No, Father John's actually a great friend. I've known him for a long time. And so he was doing our women, a women's retreat in our diocese. And I said, hey, if you're in town, like, why don't you stay for the last week of my holidays? Look after my parish and I'll, you know. We'll reimburse you all that stuff. So he had already booked his because he lives in Toronto. So he already booked his plane tickets. So I'm like, he was still going to be here. So I'm like, well, fine. You, you do sacrament stuff. I am going to worry about this. I'll say mass on my own. And that was actually, that was really helpful. And also just helpful having a priest friend around that last week as I'm trying to manage everything. So that was really, really good. And then um, the other kind of, there was a lot of providential things in this last week, but one of the the other one was that on Wednesday I got an email from Maria from CCO. CCO is kind of like the focus of Canada. They do things differently, but you know, just to give you a sense of what they are. And they were having their fall retreat this past weekend. And they, as many know, we are very poor on priests in our diocese. And they were they've been searching for months, even in other dioceses, to find a priest to come for the weekend, and they couldn't find anyone. And they had found one priest who could come over because it was on a Gulf Island who could come over for like just to say mass on Saturday morning, but that was it. So there would be no one around for confessions. And as you know, for young adult retreats, university retreats, confession's a big deal. So she emails me, and this is why my voice may be a little raspy today. I'm really glad you're doing the topic. I may even not talk not talk as much because my voice is my voice box is definitely feeling the wear and tear from the weekend. Yeah, you say that, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Probably not. But, you know, <laughs> but anyway, we can dream. We can dream. Anyways, so she, so, you know, I'm really sad. I heard that you lost a couple of staff. That's really tough. I'm sorry that you had to come home early. But, hey. <laughs> since you're home. <laughs> since you're home. And since apparently Father John is actually going to be looking after your parish still, are you able to come and help out a bit? And so we, we talked on the phone. We were very Canadian for a bit. There was actually, I was like, I actually said, wow, we're very Canadian. I said, well, what do you, what do you need of me? And she yeah. goes, well, what, what are you able to do? I'm like, no, but what do, you, what do you want? And she's like, no, what do you want? I'm like, I'll just come for the whole weekend. I'll just come for the whole weekend, right? So I did. I went for the whole weekend, um, which was really great. I I kind of prayed about it for a bit, and I went all out on my homilies uh, for both masses on Saturday and Sunday. Really just went into, like, uh, what the notion of faith is on Saturday morning. You know, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth was the question Jesus proposes and how Jesus' whole existence is prayer in front of the Father. 
it was just going with it was just like i was like i was just into it i was like yeah this is great stuff and then i heard like six hours of confessions on saturday which wow. is a lot yeah right and in retreats sometimes it becomes a bit of a more of a spiritual direction thing and it was maybe a little too long but you know you you you, you'd make it happen and Mm -hmm. then there's people wanting to counsel some people just want to talk you're talking at dinner so yeah i was like why is my voice so raspy on yesterday why am i so exhausted i'm like oh yeah saturday kind of took everything out of me but it was really great so uh and i know some people who are at the retreat listen to the podcast so hey everyone and uh um, it was a really good time. I was really glad I went. Um, it was really nice to celebrate mass for them, help with adoration, help with confessions. And there was 50 students there. So good, good, solid retreat. And there's a lot of people who were, from what I was told, a lot of people who were at the retreat who like had been to mass for years and who, or who didn't know Jesus yet or who yeah. like hadn't been practicing their faith since they were a baby and stuff. So like a lot of meat and potatoes evangelization. So there's that. And then today, recording early in the morning for me because i go on retreat today yeah yes, thank you jesus <laughs> so i'm really looking forward to that so what's going on yeah well That's before we before yeah. we move yeah. on i want to talk a little bit about our our visit to the last family mm. and, and mm-hmm. one moment where once again i felt old um so uh their their youngest uh wanted to show whom me we'll call g, whom, whom we'll call g money yes g money their youngest uh, was uh, wanted to show me his Sonic game that he had on his iPad. And I was like, yeah, I love video games. And he, so he's he's showing me, and he's doing it, and he's doing it, he's doing it. And he's like, I was just doing this so that you could learn how to play. And he immediately gave me the, the iPad and watched me play. Which and is very generous for a five-year-old. I was amazed because, like, I after I took a turn, I wanted to give it back to him. And he's like, no, 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 I just want you to play. I was like, that's so <laughs> nice. But the thing is, like, this five-year-old is way better at this game than I am. Yeah. It was insane. And so I, I did a round or two. Not as good as him, but he just he just looked at me and said, You did so good. And he gave me a big <laughs> hug. Yeah. I have never felt more affirmed in my entire right? stinking life. It was, it was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> so after it's funny, after you left, I think it was after you left, I, I he he wanted me to play and I was looking around. I actually clicked on the wrong Sonic game. It was the classic Sonic, like the old Sega Genesis oh, fun, game, fun. the Yavels had, and I'm like, oh, this is what I used to play when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, you! I call it classic Sonic. So he kept on calling it for us the time there. Father Harrison, you're gonna play classic Sonic, right? Ooh. And uh, <laughs> and so you beat. It's funny playing. I'm like, wow, this game is actually really easy. You just kind of have to press forward, keep on getting coins so you don't die, and you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. But he goes, yeah. Wow. You're the best I've ever seen at this game. And wow, you're so amazing at this. And I, yeah, exactly. I was like, man, this is like oddly comforting in many, like in a deeper way than just. <laughs> it was. Because it I'm not that great at the game or very anything. Very just like, yeah, it was like, and it was just, it was because it was so genuine, right? Yeah. It was so <laughs> genuine. I was like, this is adorable. And so, yeah, that was a lot of. And I, I, I don't really play video games much anymore at all. So he was just, but he was just so excited to watch you play. Yeah. And it, he was. He is he is the prime demographic for Twitch streamers. Yes, very it was much live so. Twitch streaming essentially for him, right? But he was just yeah, he was really adorable with that. It was a lot of fun. And then so while we were hanging out, because I was just there to hang out, I was playing a little bit of Civilization Five, and he wanted to see what was going on. Mm. And so I'm explaining mm. to him Civilization Five, and showing who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, and I basically ended up telling him I'm I'm trying to conquer the world, and his sister, his older sister's like, "You're a priest and you're trying to conquer the world. That's a little dark, isn't it?" I'm like. 
Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But so and then, he, <laughs> yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that was it. I introduced some. Then I thought to myself, wait, there is some violence in this. It's not like there's not blood or anything, but guys right. go at, you know, they, they fight and stuff. I was like, ooh, uh, I don't know what the what the rules are in this house, but right. parents seem fine with it. But anyway, I told him he, how and to he play watches, Civ Five. He watches, yeah. And it's funny watching him, like, trying to learn how. Well, because he'd never. I don't think he'd used a mouse before. So, right. It's like, tricky. learning how to use a mouse and everything. But then uh, you said, yeah, I'm trying to take over the Byzantine Empire. He's like, what? Are the Byzantine Empires the bad guys? And it's like, and it was just funny. I'm like, you're five, and you just said Byzantine without hesitation. Yes, it was very good. I was like, I was like, quite amazed at that. I'm like, usually most five year olds would be stumbling over that that word. Right, uh, but yeah, it was great, great time. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for last for being excellent hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, but you gotta watch out. So like, so the G Money has limited screen time. There's there's rules in the house. Um, yeah. That's important because too much uh, screen time, too much video game time, and I know this is a temptation. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about temptation in this week's Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. It's the best part. <laughs> yes. yes. Quite. Yes. So quite. This is why you asked the priest DM about that question. No. Uh, so, oh, okay, okay, two things. Well, yes sorry. and no. We'll get to that. <laughs> sorry. Okay, we'll get okay, to the, the priest DM story. We'll get to that. Um, sorry. <laughs> but first of all, uh, no no um, summa tuya logica, because I don't think you've been on Twitter. And then, uh, you know, I've mentioned that I have a secret Twitter. Uh, long story short, turns out that my secret Twitter was not so secret, and I just no longer have Twitter. So that's just, that's just over. And so... so We'll see. We're, the the suma the suma never dies. Suma never dies, right? It's 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 a it's perennial, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as we know, Saint Thomas Aquinas' teaching is perennial. Absolutely. So the suma never dies. It just it 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 comes and goes as it sees fit. Yeah. So if you guys could send us short questions, uh, like not topic questions, but short questions that we can do for the suma via our email, clerically speaking at gmail that might be helpful. Uh, or if you if you find tweets that are interesting and you can just copy and paste them onto those emails, that would work as well. Um, Harrison, it looks like you're thinking. Yeah, like a kind of questionis disputata. Dispu- I'm, I'm forgetting the Latin right now, but you know, like they would do this in the, Thomas would do these like disputable questions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. So there hmm. we go. Maybe we'll make Nick make a new bumper. <laughs> but don't worry, Always. Nick always make it. Nick Nick no this, here's the thing what? Nick doesn't need to worry Nick loves making bumpers he it, does it, it's, it's his secret life's joy it is and he's good at it yes he prefer not to do them at 11 o'clock at night when he's doing the podcast but he still loves doing them because he could that's stop that's right we've always given he, him the option but he doesn't we always yes we he is a free man he can he do is. as he sees fit he, he has full editorial control over this podcast mm-hmm. and yet and yet he still does the bumpers beautiful because but he yeah. loves it Let's talk about temptation. So All as right. Harrison was alluding to, I sent a little little message to our priest group chat. And I I phrase it somehow along the lines of, uh, in what way was Jesus tempted? And the reason why I, I threw this out to the uh, group chat is I am helping teach RCIA. Myself and our RCIA, uh, he's really our, our evangelization minister for evangelization. We're tag teaming RCIA. We've got uh, like seven people. Um, all delightful, great people, come from different backgrounds, different reasons, um, but good. We've only had, like, 
two, three classes, but it's been lovely so far. Sorry, quick question. Yeah. Quick question. Since you're tag teaming RCA, does he like hit Satan over the head with a chair and then like tags you in and you drop kick Satan? Well, no, no, no. First, I have to distract the referee. Uh, that's my job. And then he hits Satan with the chair. You got okay. to do this the right yeah, way. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, okay. Who okay. is the referee in this? I'm not going to go that deep into the metaphor. But the point is, the yes. The Pope. The Pope is he's refereeing. <laughs> I think you, there's there's problems, you know, uh, in this metaphor. Don't think about it too hard. But so that's what we're doing, Sorry. and yeah. uh, it's great. And we were talking about uh, creation in the fall, and I had prepared way too much content. I was like, wow, this is like a two hour long class, and I just prepared way too much because I wanted to do theology of the body stuff, uh, human person stuff, creation, biblical stuff, and so. The fall kind of came at the very end there. It's like, and uh, we messed up. Uh, but somehow we got on a tangent because I do love tangents in RCIA. I think there should be plenty of room for tangents and discussion and whatever. And so I threw out one of these things I like to do, which is a question with a seemingly obvious answer, and then me to disagree with everybody, and then let's get more nuanced with it. And so I threw out this question because uh, somehow it came up. Uh, was Jesus tempted? And everyone said, Yes. And then I said, no. Now, the answer for me isn't exactly no, um, but I was trying to, it's, we need to get more nuance than that. And controversy, everyone's freaking out. My RCI director's freaking out. Father Anthony is a heretic. What the heck is going on? Of course, Jesus Denying was tempted. Denying scripture. Denying scripture. He was tempted in the desert. Uh, it, says, it says in uh, Hebrews that, uh, that he was tested and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay, yeah, all that's true, all that's true. Yep. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus was not tempted in the same way we are. It, 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 in my understanding, it was more accurate to say Jesus was presented with temptation. He was tested, but not tempted in the certain sense that uh, when we're tempted, <laughs> there's kind of an interior temptation that goes along with it. We begin to maybe think about the possibility of giving into this temptation and that sort of thing. Whereas Christ, uh, whose human and divine wills, uh, while separate, are also united and never stray from each other, that he would never have been tempted in the same way we are mm -hmm. to choose the bad. Okay. And so it's a subtle distinction, but it we it, it gave this. I, my uh, RCI director was very. We started. We started having a little bit of a debate about this, and we tabled mm -hmm. it because it's like, oh no. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is why I'm double dipping on the uh, topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his point was, temptation's not a sin, right? And if Jesus Christ is like us in all things but sin, he could be tempted just like we are. And I said, no, this isn't about sin. This is about who Christ is about the fact that he, he doesn't have concupiscence. But the conversation was so crazy that I, I began to doubt what I thought I had learned from seminary. Um, I was trying to figure out. And then I got directed from our priest group to the ever-reliable New Advent Catholic Encyclopedia. So let's see what the Catholic Encyclopedia says. First of all, before I get into that, Harrison, questions, mm -hmm. comments, thoughts? <clears throat> I'm pondering this. Um... Because you have to, I would actually say this almost is Jesus was tempted in a far more radical way than we are. Okay. Because the three temptations in the desert are an attack on his relationship with the father. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's the temptation to say, you can usurp the Father. Right. And you have this ability to do this. Mm-hmm. God can destroy himself because God is all free and all powerful. He's got full, you know, all this. Um, and so, you know, Jesus experiences in his humanity the full weight of temptation, which is everything that it's the absolute destruction of your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And he knows that more deeply because he knows the Father. And so he knows what not following, like he knows what the implication of not following, not seeking the Father is in these temptations. It's why, like, for example, um, I think, like, so you have Matthew 16, Peter professes his faith in Jesus. Then Jesus says, hey, yo, got to be crucified. And Peter's like, hey, yo, no. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? So because in his humanity, in his weakness, because he takes on our, he takes on, he takes on a, a fallen humanity without its orientation towards concupiscence in that sense, right? Like it is a, it's a, it's, um, it's a sinless humanity, but it's, uh, it never sins, but it is in, the, he's taking on humanity and it's fall in the fallen world. Um, and so Peter's words have an attraction to the human will of which the human will always subjugates itself to the divine, right? Hence the garden where Jesus says, take this cup from me. I mean, this is, this is the classic um, scripture passage for the two wills of Christ. Thank you, St. Maximus the Confessor, um, where in his humanity, he says, take this cup away from me, right? But then the divine will is but not my will, but yours. Like, not my human will, but your will. This is the constant. Jesus' whole life, throughout the history of his life, is a constant um, subjugation, if you will, of of his human will to the divine will. It's showing that the human will is actually most itself when it's in union with the divine will. But it's a constant act. It has to take, it has to take, it takes a choice. And a choice implies the possibility of another possibility, right? Of a no. A yes implies to imply a no. So for Jesus to say yes, there has to be the possibility of him saying no. Otherwise, it's not free will. It's just determinism. Yeah. Okay. All that's good. So I think the the answer <laughs> to this is, uh, like in all things, I'm basically right. Uh, because mm-hmm. in all things, I'm basically right. Uh, but the, uh, what, what gets to the – which maybe your argument doesn't sound like I'm basically right, but don't worry. I'm right. Uh, it comes down to understanding what we mean by the word temptation. This is why philosophy is so important. So I'll just read you what uh, is in the Catholic Encyclopedia. I think it gets to the heart of this sort of thing, but then we can open it up to what it means for Christ to be tempted and all that jazz. It says, taken in an unfavorable sense as denoting enticement to evil, temptation cannot be referred directly to God or to Christ. So taken in the sense of denoting enticement to evil. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's concupiscence. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right, right. But because here's the thing, Adam and Eve didn't have concupiscence either. Yes, correct. Right. So let me let me continue. The natural source of man's temptations is concupiscence, or that proneness to evil, which is a result of the fall in Adam, and remains in human nature after baptismal regeneration, even though the soul is in a state of sanctifying grace. Now, of course, concupiscence becomes sinful only when freely yielded to. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not a sin to be tempted. 
right. but concupiscence is there, still there in us. And mm-hmm. let's get to, okay, here we go. Uh, like Adam, Christ, the second Adam, endure temptation only from without, inasmuch as his human nature was free from all concupiscence. But unlike Adam, he withstood all the assaults of the tempter on all points. Okay. Um, so, Christ doesn't have that same in, uh, temptation toward evil within himself that we do. And neither did Adam, which is not something I thought of, but also makes perfect sense because Adam didn't have concupiscence when he was tempted. So he is presented with temptation. There is that option, but it doesn't affect him in the same way that it affects us. It's still a testing. He's still tempted in a sense, but he's not tempted like we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, is that yeah. right? Well, yeah, he's not tempted in this. Okay. Yeah. Keep on going. Keep on going. I'm, I'm, reading, I'm, reading, I'm doing some efforting while you're talking. Okay. Uh, so the problems that are, I mean, seemingly problems that arise with this is that if Christ is like, we, we like to, uh, sometimes, oh, here's what I want to say. Um, there's that phrase that, you know, uh, well, we're only human, so we fall. You know, I hate we, that we sin. Right. Which is a common phrase, which you and I dislike because it's not true. Right. Because what is sin is not truly human. Exactly. So that interior temptation toward lesser goods, that's what choosing sin is. It's always choosing a lesser good over a higher good is not really something human. So Christ being sinless, being a perfect human, mm-hmm. would not have that inclination. Um, I'm trying to clarify this as much as I can, but I keep yeah. saying the same things over and over again. Right. So uh, here's the thing, though. Okay. So so, and and I think this is, gets to also how we have to understand Jesus's humanity and human nature as well. And this gets yeah. to a a question of anthropology, of Again, modern Western notions of man is very atomized and individualized, okay? Mm-hmm. Jesus goes into the temptation of the desert and, and is confronted with the temptations of, of humanity and, and shares in, in that temptation because it's a redemption of our nature, right? And so he has to enter into everything we are tempted with. He enters into the darkness of this. But the, because if Jesus can't overcome the temptations, we are um, in trouble. We're in trouble. Thank you. Yes, we are in trouble, right? We are in trouble. Because there's this, sh- like, in Jesus is the perfection of humanity now. It's the fullness of what our human nature is. It is. And so the whole of humanity is actually in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Hence why the church is his body. So there's a social nature to man, and there's this social nature to the church by which now Jesus, by lifting us up into himself, gives us, through participation in his life, the grace to overcome temptation, right? It's why, like, I always say to people, like, when you're being tempted, you know, sometimes you do need to run away, but, like, actually, sometimes if when you get to that right place, you actually need to face it head-on with Christ because that's what he did, right? Because when I am weak, there I'm strong, for the power of Christ resides in me, right? This is Paul saying, because this is Christ. Christ empties himself, enters into our slavery, enters into our condition, and subjects himself to everything we are subjected to, but without giving into it, without 
saying yes to it, but actually says yes to God and everything. But the only way those things can be overcome for us is because he has overcome them by uniting them to God saying, I choose God over this. I choose the father over this. I choose the father over this. It's like constant, you know, Pope Benedict likes to say like, yeah, the, the essence of Jesus is that he is, who he is, is that he is constantly in prayer to the father. This is his the essence of his being. So he's constantly looking to the father. And so everything he's tempted with, he has to give over to the father and say, I choose you over this. Not that he necessarily desires it in that sense, but that we desire it. And so he enters into our weakness in order to draw our weakness away from itself to redeem it and transform it. Mm -hmm. So I think there is an element if there is, so now this is, I'm getting speculative theology here, so I'm putting massive asterisks around everything here. Okay. But if we take the social nature of humanity seriously, if we take the social nature of the church seriously, and we take our participation in the life of Christ seriously, there is an element by which he subjects himself to how we are tempted. There is a desire, hold on, just, he shares in our desire for sin. And then offer and then says no we give this to the father so that we now in him can give this to the father uh and but it's not and again I'm, this I'm is giving harris in the face right now i know i know you are i know and that's why i'm putting asterisks because i'm just thinking out, i'm thinking a lot about this a bit too but there's this participatory element in our nature from him and and us in him and you also have to remember the union is personal personal not in nature right the hypostatic union is hypostatic it's not it's not it's, it's a union of person and a person not in natures like it's not a nature that's uniting two natures it's a person who's uniting two natures otherwise there's changing god and all this crazy stuff right so if that's the case our our humanity like god empties himself to enter into our condition mm -hmm. everything about our condition and sees the attraction of sin in his humanity not that he desires it but that he sees our attraction to it because of his and he sees that in a deeper way because of his union with the father and sees the horror of that in a deeper way because of his union with the father and says in every instance in every temptation i choose the father mm -hmm. right and so it's not like, so when I'm talking about this desire, I'm saying that he's sharing, he shares in our, he, because he shares in our nature, he sees how we desire it. Shares in that in a mysterious way, but always offers this up to the father. Not that he desires this personally, right? Again, this is, and this will get into weird stuff around distinction between person, like will is according to nature, not to person. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is, and this is, this is why it's so important here. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be uh, some theologians who are listening to this who are going to say, uh, let's, let's talk about this more, which is good, right? This is, it, it shows you how mysterious the hypostatic union really is, right? Mm -hmm. um, but because, so by sharing, by emptying himself and entering into this condition, he, he, yeah, he sees how we see sin. Yes, I think that's a good distinction. He can see how we see sin. And he sees our desire and he can incorporate that into himself without it becoming something personally he wants. So this is one of, whenever you, we ha you have a discussion about the, uh, who Christ is, 
and you have two sides of a topic, both sides are always trying to defend right. something important about God. Yeah. Um, so on one hand, the idea that Christ um, isn't tempted in the way we are because he doesn't have concupiscence, so the temptation to sin is purely exterior and not interior, you hold that because you have to believe that Christ didn't have the effects of original sin in him. Mm-hmm. Um, from within, from without, he lived right. in a, a broken world. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he experiences so, all those things from without. Uh, same thing with you know with uh, Mary in this sense. Exactly. Um, that she still fell victim to all the exterior problems of um, original sin and the fall without any of the interior ones. And that brings up a question, which I'm going to just throw out there and not address, which is, did Mary feel the pains of childbirth? And the reason why that conversation no. be so in, can be so intense is because it's trying to figure out, okay, what does it actually mean to be truly right. human, and but to be truly human in the world that's broken? Okay, so put thing off to the side. I just can't help myself. And then the other side, and this is, I think, where, where, where most people get freaked out by this discussion is, wait a second, wait a second. It was my understanding that... Christ knows how I feel because he felt it himself. Right. Right? So can these two things be in harmony with each other? I think, like, how can we comfort people who want this idea that Christ was human, just like me, and that Mm -hmm. he experienced what I experienced and can empathize with that? And that's, you know, a little bit what we see in Hebrews. Um, But also that Jesus was not fallen because you have told that too. And I think you kind of approached it with the Christ can understand our inward inclination toward lesser goods without himself experiencing it in the same way. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying I'm saying that, but I'm saying because actually he experiences it more deeply. Because he knows what sin does to the community. He knows the, the whole consequence of sin. We don't. That's actually part of That's God's true. grace to us. Both scary and like we do not know what sin actually does. And mm-hmm. he does, right? That's the cross. Yeah. The cross is the consequence of sin. He kno- mm-hmm. It's the separation of the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the heart of the effect of sin is separation from God. Mm-hmm. And he knows this more intimately, and Mary knows this more intimately than we do. So they yes. actually experience the horror of sin more deeply. Because of their closeness to God. Exactly. The closer mm-hmm. you are to God, the more horrible you see what sin is. And Which is so, why yeah. you've got the uh, the saints who are utterly personally convinced that they are the worst of all sinners. Exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly. Because yeah. like on paper, they're not. They're not mm-hmm. worse than me. I'm worse. But because they understand so deeply the love of the Father, they experience in themselves the true pains of sin, yeah. which is why even though they commit less sins, they probably go to confession more than I do because they're just exactly. more aware of that. And exactly. they, they, they have a deeper desire to be close to the Father in all things, and even the smallest sins are abhorrent to them. Um, it's why Mother Teresa made that personal vow to never refuse God anything yeah. under the pain of mortal sin because she, mm-hmm. saw, she essentially saw refusing God something as killing her relationship with him right because because of her closeness to god yeah um which is also why sometimes when people progress in the spiritual life they feel like they're regressing 
Yeah. Uh, I encountered this a lot in uh, spiritual direction. They're like, I was holier back then. Uh, and it's like, know? no, you weren't. You weren't. You're actually holier now. You just are, you're, yeah. the training wheels are off. Yeah. You are in the deep end. Yeah. Um, it was simpler back then for sure. And that's a grace and a gift and praise God. But this time now is also a gift and a grace. Um, but it's hard for you to see because you're experiencing a new depth in your spiritual life. Uh, yeah. So maybe be helpful. Let's let's go through two specific examples to try to figure out. Let's figure out yeah, what's so, going on and, in and so, the God before man. You, and before you do, can I just sure, can I just please. read this little quote from Guess Who, Pope Benedict? Um, okay. <laughs> it's from a Wednesday Catechesis on the temptations of Jesus. He says he thus, Jesus thus took on our temptations, burdened himself with our wretchedness in order to defeat the evil one and open a path to God for us, a pathway to conversion. And so this is kind of what I'm trying to get at, essentially, right? It's just mm-hmm. that um, God's so powerful, he can take on even, and this is like, this is where I'm like, I'm trying to say, like, I think there is a sense, there is, again, a quote-unquote sense in which you can talk about a desire for sin, in that because he takes on our nature, he takes on all humanity and unites all humanity to himself. And so he can enter into what we desire and enter into that moment and say, but I choose, for all of humanity, I choose God in this. I choose God in this. I choose the Father. But it's not his desire, qua his desire. It's human nature's desire. I got it's, it's our fallen desire, right? right? But he can enter into this. Mm-hmm. This is part of the self-emptying aspect. Yes. So that it's not, it's not a, sense. yeah, so it's not a, it's not a consequence of his concupiscence. It's a consequence of our concupiscence. I like that. That's the kind of crazy subtlety I like in the theological. Uh, Heck yeah, <laughs> I think that works. I think um, it works too. I'm not. I'm. I'm thinking out loud here. Obviously, I'm not. Right, right, right. I'm. But yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, sorry. Let's let's try let's, to figure out the interior of the God Man, which is a um, ridiculous <laughs> idea and attempt. Yeah. But we're going to go yeah, for it anyway. Yeah. Hopefully, God will have mercy on our souls. <clears throat> yes. Uh, so I want to talk about the temptation of turning stones into bread, and then we can do the classic uh, Jesus in the Garden. Okay. So, Jesus has fasted for 40 days. He is hungry. He hangry, has, even. He is, he, um... Probably is hungry. Yeah. Right. Uh, probably. And so he's experiencing physiologically all things that happen when you have not eaten in a long time. Yep. Satan presents to him this temptation of turning those uh, stones into bread. And the temptation is is manyfold. One, there's just the kind of very obvious one. Jesus is hungry. He can use his Jesus powers to make bread and not be hungry anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it. The deeper part of it is Satan saying, you understand now in your humanity uh, that so much cause, so much suffering in the world is because of hunger, is because mm-hmm. of want, is because of lack. Uh, and you can also see how that's, incorporated into so many structures of sin um the the strong preying on the weak the rich uh versus the poor um you can see all the injustice in that uh that you can relieve people's sufferings and make them happy by giving them bread Mm -hmm. you want to make people happy like uh, you want to save them well what's really oppressing them is the fact that because of the fall, there is hunger, there is starvation. Mm-hmm. So you have the chance to save people 
because all, all temptations are like there's an easy way there's an easier way than the cross mm-hmm. like you can do what you want to do without the cross which is mm-hmm. a lie um it's one of those lies it's like a, it's a it's a half truth that's been twisted over backwards right mm-hmm. so that's the twofold temptation so i think it'd be fair to say that to like if the thought of bread that may have made jesus salivate in that moment mm-hmm. right because that's just a natural human reaction to when you're hungry and the idea of food pops into your brain there's that um there's the understanding that he could satiate his hunger which is a good thing to do it's not good to be right. hungry right yeah um unless you're doing intermittent fasting that's a whole nother thing because yeah. um, I haven't had lunch yet. Anyway, uh, so you've got you've got that aspect. Um, but does Jesus ever want to be able to turn stones into bread because it would be good for him? Right. And I think that answer is no. Right. Interiorly, like, because what, what, if we were to experience that temptation— we might begin to think, like, what's our experience of temptation? Right. Begin to think, begin to wish, begin to want. Christ yeah. never wants to do something contrary to the Father's will. Yeah. But he can understand that want on a yes. deeper level, yeah. level than even we can because mm-hmm. of his closeness to the Father. Yes. Does that sound like a concrete example of Jesus' temptation? Yes, yeah. <laughs> It's 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 the experience of subjecting God to us, mm-hmm. right? Of you don't have to subject yourself to the Father, Jesus. This is the heart of all three temptations. Yeah, you can yeah, subject yeah. the Father to you. Obedience. Okay, so now let's do the temptation in the garden uh, because it's it's different. So like the temptations in the desert are like you can do this thing to make life easier in a sense that's really simplifying it but Mm -hmm. the temptation in the garden is like you can get out of dying on the cross it's more of like uh working against a a threat than a something you can it's more of a negative temptation does that make sense yeah yeah go at it okay so he's in the garden he is very aware that to fulfill the Father's will, he has to die on the cross. Um, and not just die on the cross, but be rejected by friends, uh, those closest to him, uh, to be mocked by the people he loves, to be denied by the people he loves. Um, that, that's including the Pharisees and everyone else, um, to suffer extreme physical torment, all the spiritual torment. So all that stuff is ahead of him. Okay. So in a certain sense, Dying is bad, right? It's it's a consequence of sin. Dying on the cross is real bad. It's good to not want to die on a cross. Like, if you're a human being and you don't want to die a torturous death, that's a sign of health. <laughs> like, that's a good thing. Okay? So that on just a surface level is something that's going on here. Um, and so... It's an understandable preference to not to want to die on a cross. But Christ knows that this is the Father's will. And part of me is, 
I think there's two things going on here in, in Scripture. Uh, one, Christ is showing us something for our benefit, right? Um, he is, on a physiological level, in an extreme way, manifesting in his body by sweating blood, working against his natural and good inclination to stay alive. Um, this is where the the will and intellect is triumphing over our nature. Because um, this is how it was in the garden, that our will, our intellect had complete control over, or at least um, the ruling power over our lower inclinations, our, our lower natures, right? Uh, so we have this weird thing that uh, when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're cranky, um, it's much more difficult for us to deal with that stuff to do the reasonable thing of getting out of your bed even though the blankets are so warm and you have a weighted blanket and it's cold outside but you have to have mass and so you get all cranky and stuff and then you stay there longer than you can't than you should it sounds like a recent experience to you i'm just it making a little stuff fresh off. it I'm sounds making, fresh fresh i am wound. just making an example up off the top of my head um uh so anyway so yeah. okay there's that okay but he knows that this is the Father's will. So he desires two things, uh, to accomplish the Father's will. Also, he knows that this is the best, most fitting way to save humanity. Right? Yeah. Okay. So he makes the prayer. Like, if there's any other way for this to happen, I would prefer that way. But this is your will, so this is my will. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm, I'm now. I'm thinking out loud here with this thing. He, Jesus Christ, knows everything he needs to do to accomplish the Father's will. Was he asking a genuine question there? Yeah. So, have you? I would recommend. It's called. It's Discourse Sixteen, by mm-hmm. John Henry Newman. It's called On the Mental Sufferings of Christ. Man, I'm sure that is incredibly dry and informative, Henry Newman. He's got some of the best prose ever, man. Does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, he's known as a master of prose. I'm just thinking about what's, what's the, this is a terrible sidetrack for nerds. Um, notion or uh, the grammar of ascent. Oh, yeah. That book's dry. That okay. book's dry. Yeah, yeah, that book's dry. <laughs> so no, but anyways, anyway, so in there he's talking about like he has to take on the full weight of sin, and he talks about how uh, what's easy for us is hard for him. Right? We don't think we think little of sin; he thinks much of it. Hmm. Um, and how in the garden, it's really that question is the question of humanity, do I have to die? Mm. Right? It's, but it's not just a, a physical, it's not just a fear of what's in, the impending physical element. It's the deeper spiritual element of it all too, of that, of the mental sufferings, right? That it's, it's a suffering of the whole person or of the whole nature, I should say, in, in Jesus's case here, mm-hmm. um, which cannot affect his divinity, but through the medium of his humanity can be just assailed with this. So I think it's the question of human nature, Mm. right? Can you, can, do I have to go this way? 
and human nature has to ask that question. Mm. But it's what's redeeming about the moment is that it sees the full horror of death and it and because for him death is not physical death it's the death of sin it's the moment where he know because here's the thing it's it's and it's the felt it's the experienced in his human nature the absence of the father yeah right no and now even in god's absence jesus has to offer himself to him even if the father seems to be not there anymore yeah it's it's you know it's that famous you know even god kind of becomes an atheist on the cross almost like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's this notion of god seems gone god seems Mm -hmm. dead um um and so he yeah so it's the question of human nature it's so it's it's a temptation of is do i have to go this way right it's the temptation you see he's gone through kind of quote-unquote the magical temptations in in the desert of the snap your fingers and it's fixed yeah. Why why does God have to do it this way? Why can't God just snap his fingers? Because God respects the creation. He respects our freedom and he wants us to be incorporated in it, submit ourselves to it. And so Jesus's temptation is really the temptation. Yeah, it's the temptation of our human nature of do I have to go this way? And I think it's a real legitimate question. It's a seeking. And in that seeking it says, um, in, in that seeking, it says, even if the father feels distant, I choose you, mm-hmm. which is so actually the, quite encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness. And it's, um, I really like this because it, it, um, it's one of those very basic truths of Christianity that you are aware of all the time as a Christian. Mm-hmm but can always dive deeper into and have more profound respect and it can change your whole life. Um, so the question, um, is this the way I have to go is not an interior movement toward a lesser good. It is a, just the question of, a a son to a father really Mm -hmm. is this what i have to do Mm -hmm. if there's any other way that sounds you know that sounds good but there's no interior inclination to run away from the cross it's just a i don't want to say just um it's a deep experience of the 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 pain of death even before it happens hmm. yeah I think. yeah it, it's it's it, the death already begins in the garden yeah because he has to take on our sin the thing again that newman says we think so little of but he thinks so gravely of and so it becomes a weightier thing for him so as so that we don't have like we were talking about earlier so that we don't have to experience the weight of it ourselves yeah which so is like is, think, amazing yeah it is. It is truly amazing. And it's getting at the thing. So whenever you have like these theological, anthropological arguments in Christianity, those two things that we want to hold, that God is without sin and doesn't have the effects of concupiscence, but also experience what we experience and redeems it. Mm-hmm. I think it answers both questions on a deeper level. 
that if Christ were just to experience sin the way we did, it would not be as profound. Yeah. He experiences it on a much deeper, deeper level. Um, and that's actually more comforting yeah. than saying Jesus is just like us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I feel satisfied. I hope all this made sense. This is the thing, yeah. He, he is tempted more than we are, which is amazing to think about <laughs> yeah so well yeah. any other thoughts i think that's the end i mean that's all i got there's probably a lot more to say but i think it's a i think it's a good one yeah i good. think it's good stuff i like it okay oh, so. and before we go just before we go i yes. mentioned one thing earlier i am Please. now also the proud owner of a patagonia bag oh a patagonia duffel bag yes because um I got, as was honestly, I did not go into my trip expecting books and stuff, but I got mm-hmm. a lot more than I was expecting. And so I needed to go back with two suitcases and I didn't have one. So JVL and his, is in his generosity, um, laid out his three Patagonia bags, his three different sizes. I took the medium one and I'm like, this is actually a great bag. This is like an amazing bag. And I know you have one and, have and one. I'm like, this is actually an amazing bag. And I, 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 I love this very much. And I've already used, I used it on the weekend already. I'm going to use it for the retreat this week. I'm like, wow, this is insane. I, I am totally willing to accept an endorsement, a sponsorship from Patagonia. Cause I have a duffel bag from them. I use it every day. I mean, every week for my day off, whenever I travel, good duffel bag it's got uh, backpack straps on it too mm-hmm. it's amazing i love it nice yeah so uh, we are we are twinsies now oh and so on that note uh, patagonia send us an email give us money and free things um <laughs> or people and... can give us money through page well not that we are going to use this for patagonia stuff but we can pay people so i let you do your thing Yes, yes, because we want to make sure this is very clear. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me teaching an RCA class on the nature of two natures and all the Jesus things. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or emails at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. If you want to support what we do, uh, check out our uh, Patreon page. None of the money goes to us or for us buying Patagonia merchandise. All of that money goes to things like uh, Harrison's new microphone. Soon, uh, hopefully, my new microphone as well. uh, To pay our producers for making the show possible. Any money that goes beyond that goes to the Daughters of St. Paul. Um, just so we're perfectly clear, Father Harrison and I have never taken a penny from this, nor do we want to, because that would be stupid and bad. Yeah. Okay? And enough people make just, money off these things. We don't want to do that. No, because that's not... We don't, This is a fun hobby, and hopefully yes. it's helpful for you guys, too. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, God bless. didn't sound too defensive. Anywho, peace. God bless you. <laughs>